0: Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover. Pull up a chair and let's dig in. Dancing, dancing, dancing. You're a dancing machine. You're not Jake, but King David is. But before we, yes. uh, <laughs> before we talk about that. How are you doing?
1: Oh, that's good. I um, know. I'm doing great. I'm great. That was a great intro. I wasn't expecting that. So, um, but anyway, I'm doing it's well. It's like grace. Yourself. You never expected
0: it. It just surprises
1: you. Surprise. Just like the same old song. Our genius. <laughs> you know, just
0: Anyway, how are you? <laughs> uh, good. Um, we are deep into, you and I are both, uh, as, as our listeners are going to find out, that we're recording this before we go on sabbatical. Uh, when they listen, we will be on sabbatical uh so just send all of your hate mail and theological criticisms to uh, Neil McGowan and Hart and David Zoll yeah, yep, <laughs> our associate clergy and uh, and Dave Zoll. Uh, but no I'm doing well we're I'm doing a lot of training and for the running I'm going to be doing on on the trip and I'm eating to make sure that I am losing no weight um, because That's it's good. always good That's to good. run with a little fat store around your midsection I find. yeah, absolutely your knees appreciate it so. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: right that's right all that little pounding uh, well good well
0: yeah, yeah. Well, here so, we are
1: we're recording but everybody forth... else is working that's right so all you clergy you're still working and so we have done the work ahead of you so and prepared uh, some good little nuggets from our readings today to help you um, to help you preach in the dog days of summer
0: yeah and we and are our... doing the seventh Sunday after Pentecost this is going to be for Sunday July eleventh so yeah, post Memorial Day, post July Fourth, as Jake says, definitely into the, just the, summer, summertime. Yeah.
1: So we got our readings today: Second Samuel chapter six, verses one through five, and then twelve B through nineteen. Although uh, you gotta kind of understand six through eleven, I think that helps provide some context. And then we have. Um, we have uh, um, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, and Mark chapter 6, verses 14 through 29. And so um, with Saturday Night Fever uh, going on in the background, tell us what's happening here in Second Samuel Day. Well,
0: you know, in the, in the background, you might actually hear some power washing because uh, our church office is getting some work done today. Uh, so, usually Jake gets to steal the background noise battle with all of his uh, sirens, ambulances, uh, squeaking chairs, but today you might hear something on my end of things. But anyways, uh, there's a honking horn as if on cue from from uh, your office, Jake. So, yeah. yeah, this is a story in King David's ministry. He has defeated the Philistines who had stolen the Ark of the Covenant, that giant gold box that... Uh, makes an appearance in Raiders of the Lost Ark with Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. If you want to see what this thing looked like, and uh, the Philistines had stolen it, David has now recovered it and he's bringing it into Jerusalem. And the the inside of the box are the tablets, the stone tablets on which the Ten Commandments are written. Uh, Moses's a jar staff, of a jar of manna. That's right. There's some. Uh, peanut butter and jelly, just uh, various things that were important to the people of Israel over their ex, you know journey exodus from Egypt and all that stuff. So uh, they're bringing the ark back, and uh, it's a big deal. Uh, if you ever visit St. Alban's Waco after our church is done with its renovation, the case around our organ shows uh, a wood carving of this scene of David dancing mm. before the Lord as the ark is brought back into Jerusalem, and it's cool because there's a little. A little castle in the carving where out of the window you see his wife michael looking out on david dancing disapprovingly Mm -hmm. uh the artist carved david wearing kind of a loincloth which isn't exactly what he would be wearing in this situation but Mm -hmm. um but the deal is the ark uh is is a couple important things the ark is the place where god dwells. This is why it's such a big deal. Not only because the stuff that's inside of it, which is important, but it's actually less important than what the Ark is, which in Jewish thinking, it's the footstool of God, or it's kind of the throne of God and his footstool. Um, and the on the top of the cover of the Ark of the Covenant, um, this box, there were two seraphim, these sort of heavenly beings with these outstretched wings. Imagine sort of two angels facing each other with their wings pointing forward as they're, they're kind of about to do a downward dog sort of situation and their wings are pointing forward and like touching or almost touching right in the middle. Um, And uh, the place where they sit is, uh, is seen to be this place where God dwells. And so, for example, When it says that David was dancing before the Lord, uh, it actually means the presence of God was there um, because the Lord um, lives, kind of his presence is on top of the Ark of the Covenant. In Ezekiel, when the glory of the Lord departs from the temple, it's from that room where the Ark of the Covenant sits. So uh, because of that, it's totally appropriate that there's all these sacrifices vices being offered and that all the music is being made um i like to picture some flamenco dancers because it does specifically (laughs) mention castanets we have no Mm -hmm. idea what some of these instruments are the hebrew words are like basically it means shaky shaky thing uh and so Mm -hmm. they were like well what instruments do we have that you sort of shake and they picked castanets so uh it could have been a fidget spinner for all we know but they uh they name all these instruments um By the way, if you're a kind of church that believes only in a cappella singing and no musical instruments in church because the Bible doesn't say that there are any guitars or organs, I will say that based on 2 Samuel 6, you're okay with lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. Heavy on the hand percussion there. So, uh, they bring it in. uh, Lots of sacrificing, and David is dancing. Uh, we find out later in the chapter that he's dancing with all his might. He is a dancing machine, and his wife, Michael, is displeased. It says she despised him in her heart in this passage. You don't really understand why, but later on, when David gets home later in the day, she tells him that she's upset because he danced so vigorously that he uncovered himself. So, he's you know, he's wearing like linen ephod, which is sort of like, think of a, a loose sundress, a muumu, if you will, and he's leaping and dancing so much, apparently, um, that he exposed, you know, his nethers. Uh, and there's some mm. debate about whether she was being literal or figurative about it, but she just thinks he's not being dignified enough as a king. Uh, and, yeah, well, yeah. she
1: represents the old guard. Right, because and and so,
0: so. It's, it's a wonderful thing for the presence of the Lord to come back uh, into Jerusalem. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think if you were going to preach on this, uh, mention, one, that a cake of raisins is an aphrodisiac. So at the end, when it says he gave him a cake of raisins, then everybody went back home, you know what they were doing back home with those raisins? Yeah. No, don't preach on that. Don't preach on that. Do preach Um, on the presence of God in people's lives and be glad that we don't have an ark anymore and that Jesus makes it so that the presence of God lives in each of us. That's the point of the story. Great. (laughs) Well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right Jake, I, I mean would you would you, I mean if you were preaching on this would you say anything else?
1: No, I mean I think you've said it all. I think uh you know there's also um I think too there's something because this is a very like pious moment and a very e- exciting uh, uh moment, but um even in their piety and their celebration they are breaking the law. Um, the law of God, in the sense that you do not have uh, the specific, uh, the Kohalites who are supposed to carry the Ark into the city are not doing that. Um, yeah, instead, they put it on a cart. They've, they've, they've made a fancy cart. And uh, and I think, you know, and what one, the part that's cut out here is, is that the the Ark tips over, and, uh, and uh, this guy Uzzah tries to save it, and, uh, and he steps in and to touches him. it. Yeah. And he dies immediately. And um, and this freaks everybody out, actually, this moment. But um,
0: I so think, much so yeah, that David ups- doesn't want to bring it in. He's like, um, I got a friend. Maybe we can put the Ark in his house. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sort of like,
1: let's and see so, if he dies. Right. And uh, I, I would say, so I would say that, yes, I mean, uh, that even in our piety, um, it is never perfect. And, uh, and uh, that... Um, even our piety it's never perfect i would say indeed the presence of god is a wonderful thing and uh praise god because that presence has now come mediated by the spirit uh we can uh um mediated by the spirit and uh um in the person and work of david's greater son we can dance with joy as well forever and uh um for um in the midst even of our mistakes in our piety and so uh um, so God has got us covered.
0: Yeah, and I think there could be a little P.S. here, too, about the fact that these people dance in a religious setting, in a liturgical setting, and that's not something that uh, I would ever allow at St. Albans Episcopal Church in Waco, Texas. <laughs> uh, if you've ever seen liturgical dance, it's, well, it's got a checkered uh, past, and uh, sometimes <laughs> it works, and but usually it doesn't, and uh, but I love the idea that there are times when your praise is so authentic and so heartfelt that you would actually dance. I mean, have, have you ever felt like dancing because of God? There's that song by that English praise band, Delirious. Oh, I feel like dancing. Um, uh, it's I, foolishness, I could, I It's foolishness, I know, and then I could sing of your love forever. And the chorus goes on so long, you think they actually will sing of God's love forever. But the, uh, yeah, the feeling of dancing because of Jesus. I mean, there's something beautiful uh, about that, about that um love and joy. So mm-hmm. and here it's spontaneous and King David who's supposed to be this fancy king uh there's something childlike about it in a wonderful way as well. So anyways, that's all. Yeah, I wouldn't touch that text with a <laughs> tenth of But if you do, <laughs> you've got some uh guidelines to go by. All right, on to St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1. This begins, by the way, uh preachers, uh, uh a time when you will be reading through Ephesians, Uh, over Mm -hmm. this season so if you'd like to do a little series on the book of Ephesians absolutely perfect timing to do that and this Sunday is the beginning of it chapter 1 verses 3-14 through which is just Paul's opening section of his letter which he's usually trying to do after he introduces himself and who he's writing to and who he is he then always goes into this thing of kind of a a benediction um, uh, kind of a both affirming who his audience is, like sort of like the people who are getting the letter, he's telling them how wonderful they are not really how wonderful they are, but how, like all that they've been given in Christ Like it's like this huge kind of combination of encouragement and doxology, praise worship, all those sorts of things just to uh you know, remind them of who they are and what the gospel is, and that they're loved. So he's doing a lot of this sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, it does talk about predestination, Jake. Are you going to make that the focus of your sermon?
1: Yeah, definitely. And so, uh, because uh, predestination is good news, you know, because it means uh, no matter what, no matter what you do, God has actually chosen you, and there is nothing you can do to separate him uh, from your, from His love. Um, I mean, and I think that that's the whole point, the way this argument. So, um, you know, there are like three kind of things that you could pull right out of this text immediately is, first of all, God is not an abstraction. But um, he is uh, uh, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, because he's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are also his children uh, by adoption. And um, and uh, because we have been adopted by um, our God and fa- the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of Jesus, we have received all of the benefits that come for- from that. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. How According to the riches of his grace that he's lavished on us, and with all wisdom and insight he has made known the mystery, or essentially the revelation of his will, and that is that we should all be saved in Jesus. And so, um, uh, this is really good thing, and that this isn't just some sort of whim. Uh, This isn't about you, but this is what God has predestined you for. And so the good news about predestination is it's not some sort of thing that God's like up there, hmm, you know, I like Aaron, but I don't like Jake. You know what I mean? That's not what this is. Sheep and goat. Goat. The whole world is predestined in Jesus and we are chosen in love and we must be predestined because prior to that uh, you're dead in your trespasses and sin. Dead people and don't so, choose anything. Yeah, they don't choose anything and so but he has chosen you in Jesus And so really you begin to see in this passage um, uh, that God is the protagonist and so um, of the entire relationship and uh, he is a protagonist who works in love in order to choose you, in order to save
0: you, and um, and uh, that's good news. Yeah, when you said whim, I immediately thought mm-hmm. of Stewie saying cool whip uh, on <laughs> Family Guy, which is a terrible show and I don't recommend it, but anyways, that's what I thought of. Um, the, uh, yeah, so... The text that you have in the New Revised Standard Version, most most listeners, if you're in, it is, is Is, is going to say he destined us. It, of course, other translations have predestined us, but the yeah predestination. The reason people don't like it uh, is, as Jake said, because it, it makes them feel like God chooses some people and other people. And it, usually, it's not an abstract theological concept for people. They they they, they there's somebody that they know who died. And who maybe had not lived a very good life and had walked away from the church. And this is maybe someone that they love. And to say, like, that person was predestined for this, that's deeply offensive, understandably. Uh, and uh, people also object to it because they may be going through a very difficult time in their life. And you Are you saying that God destined me to have my business fail and my buick repossessed and all these and no that's you're you're putting way too much weight on this idea if your buick gets repossessed you're having a bad day and god clearly doesn't like you well i don't know having a buick repo (laughs) might that might be a blessing but uh sorry general motors uh and tiger woods the um the thing here we're not talking about predestination of every single thing that happened to you like getting yeah. um this isn't determinism getting a grande when you actually ordered a venti and like god predestined you for that blessing or or that god predestined your car to hit that pothole and your axle broke and now you have a thousand dollar repair in your car is we're talking about the fact that human beings as jake said we're talking about salvation we're talking about theological mm-hmm. things we're talking about human beings as basically beings without much agency when it comes to uh s- spiritual things uh somebody i was teaching a bible study recently uh, and i talked about we were talking about the crucifixion and the two criminals on jesus's right and left and a person noted how beautiful it was that one of those criminals chose to put their faith in jesus and the other one chose not to and it took everything in me not to say where do you see that in the text that one of them you know Mm -hmm. they weighed the evidence and they made a rational choice one chose to accept jesus one chose to reject jesus i said you know, because the, matter, the truth of the matter is the the fact that one was able to see that the bloody man hanging next to him on the cross, a poor, humiliated criminal, um, was actually the, the king of the Jews, the son of God. The fact that this guy was able to see that at all was because of God giving him the ability to see that. There was nothing on the surface that made it apparent in any way. So all that to say is we are dead in our sins, unable to see, unable to choose rightly, and we need somebody to lavish grace on us. Um, You don't climb out of a well on your own. You have to be rescued. And that's the view Mm -hmm. of humanity which seems to bear the most resemblance to to reality that we are all in a well and can't climb out of it on our own and we need a gift um redemption which we which we receive and the good news about this is it makes it not about your choice or not about your action it makes it about god's good pleasure it makes you you can rest in this as opposed to worrying about every little thing you do and whether you've stepped out of line and whether god stopped loving you or he's revoked his uh love in some way um but this has all been done kind of um, before the beginning of time and it's just, it's, it's a wonderful thing, so don't don't make predestination about something that it's not about um, and as Jake said it's not God picking and choosing favorites it's really, um, God as, as, as we know, God wants to save the whole world that's, that's his thing and there's some mystery here, or whatever, so I don't know if you want to preach about it, listeners um, but uh, it, if preached well can be a statement basically saying that God chooses you Don 't worry about anybody else, God can take care mm-hmm. of them. The, what this means yeah. is that God has chosen you, God loves you um, and God and that's, that's God, my God, point yeah, at the you beginning can never of this, fall, you this can never isn't fall ab- out of his grace
1: well that but th- that, this isn't an abstraction and that's what people want to make predestination that's what people want to make like the bound will, all of these things because it takes salvation right out of our hands, which we we hate uh, because deep down we want to earn it and um, and I think that what this does, and the, the the point to hammer home on, is that this isn't abstract. This is a real God who really loves you, uh, demonstrated in Jesus Christ, and has uh, chose to save you, uh, that you might have having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who accomplishes all things according to the counsel, to His counsel and will, so that we who were first to set our hope on Christ might live for the praise of His glory." And that's you. And so, that's good news, and there's nothing you can do to separate you from His love.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. And so, we come to the Gospel, and that's, uh, I mean, Mark chapter 6, verses 14 through 29, and, I mean, this, this uh, becomes uh, good news that God chose you, because, I mean, life can go down the crapper, as it just has for John the Baptist. And so, Johnny uh, the he B. Finds, he finds himself in prison in the hands of an angry king who's made a bet and uh, has to cash it in. And, so, uh, and that requires a head.
0: That's right. There's also a great U2 song. It's the B-side of the single... Um, gosh, what was it off of? ahch Baby, uh uh anyways um ultraviolet maybe anyways the beat it was a there's a song called salome it's not her name is not mentioned in the passage but tradition holds that the girl who dances that uh, kind of captivates king herod in this story uh is named salome um and uh the herodias's daughter uh, or as bono sings salome so anyways The story about the death of John the Baptist is this interlude in Mark's gospel where there's very little explicitly about Jesus other than that King Herod wants to know who this is. And then he says some people think it's John the Baptist. Then you get this whole backstory. It's like a flashback to what happened. Side note, you, you may want to mention to your people that King Herod here is... Actually, not a king. He's a tetrarch. He's a ruler of a portion of Israel. Don't say, you don't have to say that. But you can just mention that he is the son of Herod the Great. Because you heard about Herod the Great when Jesus was born, the one who met the wise men and who and that whole part of the kind of Christmas story, the nativity nativity story. Um, this is his son. Uh, and he's in charge of a smaller area of his dad's kingdom, namely Galilee, the place where Jesus is from. And so he, um, his half-brother, Herod's other son with another mama, uh, had been married to Herod's wife, who was, again, confusingly named Herodias. And John the Baptist has been criticizing Herod and Herodias for being married, since Herodias divorced her husband, married... Herod and um, John is saying that this is an unholy thing and scandalous and whatever so and John has a wide uh, a big audience and he he's captivates a lot of people so John the Baptist is tweeting all about how awful Herodias and Herod are and Herodias gets ticked so uh, she kind of maneuvers the situation for Herod to uh, make a pledge I'll give you whatever I want and he's thinking maybe she'll ask for a new car or something but instead, a Buick. Uh, yes, exactly, an enclave. And uh, but instead, her mom whispers in her ear to ask for something, which is what no teenage girl wants, I promise you. <laughs> uh, but I guess she has been really, you know, her mom's put the fear of God in her or something. So she says, Hey, stepdad, what I'd really like is the head of a guy on a platter uh, and John the Baptist. So. They behead John, and and there's something here I always think about, kind of the randomness of life. There is John doing this ministry, and he gets arrested, he's in prison, and then just because of this, like, teenage dance at King Herod's party, he gets beheaded. I mean, there's something really just capricious about think, that thing.
1: Well, I think there's a lot go. I think there's, uh, you know, it's interesting, as we were saying in the pre-show, there's uh, a there's a lot of silence here about Jesus, and um, and I think John, like according to the law, was right to criticize Herod Absolutely. And, uh, taking his brother's wife, and uh, you know, and just kind of the whole thing was was messed up with marriage, and uh, and actually Herod, um, on one level, is the law of the land, and this may freak some folks out, but. He, on one level, is right to throw John the Baptist in jail. And uh, because you don't criticize the ruler of the land, very different time then Uh, that, you know, you wouldn't want to shake up and cause revolution. And so he is um, he is as the, the, the leader of the land right to throw him in jail. And this is this is the point, I think, of the law. You're damned if you do. And you're damned if you don't. And, uh, but either way, um, somebody's head's going to wind up on a platter. I think Luther has a good thing to say about this particular text. Uh, he says, When the murder of John the baptizer was announced, that horrible crime, Jesus was silent and went away into the desert and fed the people and did not make an issue of it, but only preached the word and did his duty. Christian wisdom, therefore, means to commit oneself to the power of God and to turn one's cause over to him who judges justly. A Christian can, indeed, by the office of the Word judge sin, but he should not raise his hand against it unless he is compelled to do so by God or commanded by the Word. And so, when you are alone and unable to set everything right and straight, commit your cause to him who has more powers and who alone can do everything. I think that's the point of St. Paul in Ephesians. And I mean, and I think that's kind of a way you can go, you know. As preachers, our main job is not to, um, you know, talk politics. Our main job is not to get into the nitty-gritty of the world, but it is to go forth into the world and, like John the Baptist in the River Jordan, make the proclamation, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world and uh you know um but i think but i think what we see just it's so interesting jesus i mean it's just silent here i don't even know how you could say at the end of this reading the gospel of the lord because there's not much gospel in it and uh um but um it should inspire you to preach and
0: herald the gospel and point to the lamb of god i think there's some herod is a bit of a tragic figure who here again again herod antipas the the one in this in this passage um Because he's hearing of Jesus and is curious about him here in Mark chapter 6. He's also someone that, even though he arrests John because of his brother, because of his wife, he kind of didn't really want to. And it says, just fascinatingly, that Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man and he had protected him. And when he heard him, um, he, he was perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. So it almost seems like after he was arrested, I imagine Herod going down to the dungeon to, to chat with John, and yet now he has to kill him because he's he sort of put up or shut up. He's made this public oath. Mm-hmm. Later on, this same Herod Antipas is going to meet Jesus. If you read in Luke's Gospel in chapter 23, Pontius Pilate is questioning jesus can find nothing wrong with him realizes that jesus actually is from galilee so comes under the jurisdiction of this herod and sends him to herod who happens to be in jerusalem at that time and herod meets jesus asks him questions jesus refuses to respond again is silent And so Herod can't do anything, sends him back to Pilate after dressing him up in sort of uh, ridiculous, fancy clothes as a way of mocking his claim to be king and sends Jesus back to Pontius Pilate, who will ultimately pronounce the sentence of execution. And Luke tells us that on that day, because Pilate thought Herod's joke of the fancy clothes on Jesus was sort of funny, they became friends. Previously, they'd been sort of political enemies before that. Uh, So here is Herod as someone with several chances to, to... to get right spiritually. Um, he meets John the Baptist and he meets Jesus Christ. Um, and in both times, he, he's clouded. He's just a figure, he cares more about public appearance, he cares, cares more about public opinion. Um, and I, so don't make this into sort of a morality tale or a fable or no. something like that. But I think it does show a person can have opportunities to meet God quite literally and not be aware of what's happening. You know, to our point about predestination, like some yeah. sense one needs to have their eyes spiritually opened and you almost feel like the Holy Spirit is trying to do some work with King Herod here, but he just, he's not open to it.
1: Well, but that's, I mean, but that's why we preach, um, you know, behold the Lamb of God. That's thats the message, that's, that, that's the message all the time because that's God's answer to this whole messed up world. That's God's answer to uh, to uh, Herod's sin. That's God's answer to your and my sin. Um, that is God's answer. And, uh, you know, and I think it's an important thing following, like, the law can't save you. Uh, but the Lamb of God can. That's right.
0: Amen. Well, that'll do it for the seventh Sunday after Pentecost. Pentecost. Uh, Sunday July 11th so preach the word and we'll talk to you again next week Somebody's looking, somebody cares. Somebody wonders what thanks for listening to same old song hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life if you like what you heard Leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production, and remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.